Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive in today's Mornings with Jesus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Jesus. If this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Dominique Young, and we are so glad that you are here with us today to study the Bible. Today, we will be studying Joshua chapter 22. And if you've been looking for a space to study the Bible alongside others, then this is the right place for you. And we're glad that you're here. Before we jump in, I want to go ahead and say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live this morning. Good morning and shout outs to Donita for being the first one in the room. Amen. I'm just, it was so funny because I just remember Donita when she started um, coming in mornings with Jesus. Um, she's like, I'm not a morning person. And today she was the first in the room. Come on now. That is so awesome. Good morning to Latrice. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Raquel. Good morning, Lashana. Good morning, CJ. Good morning, Lilith. Good day, Anastasia. Good morning, Nisha. Good morning, T. Horton. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Miss Margaret. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Donna Lanita. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, April. Good morning, Natalia. Good morning, Celia. Good morning, Ellen. Come on now. We in the room today. Woohoo! Amen. So glad to see you guys and anyone that I can't see, but you're here. Hey, we are so glad that you are here this morning this morning. And we are jumping into Joshua chapter 22 today. But before we do, you know how we like to do it. Let's start our time off with some gratitude. What are you grateful to God for this morning? Good morning, Audrey. What are you grateful to God for this morning? I will say, okay, so we have a Patreon uh, page for Faith Mamas. And this is where people can sign up to be monthly donors um, for Faith Mamas. And I had set a goal to get to uh, $650 um, on Patreon. And I kind of set that goal. It felt really lofty to me. Um, I was like, yeah, you know, that's a lot for people to give monthly um, uh, as far as collectively monthly. But yesterday I looked, praise God, thank y'all so much for your support of Faith Moms, because we're like only $50 away from that goal. I'm like, mind blown. God is so amazing. And you guys know, I really, I struggle with like talking about like Patreon and things like that. So it's not because I'm talking about it all the time. It's literally because God is placing this ministry on you guys' heart. And that is amazing. And I am so absolutely grateful 
um, that God is just doing his thing. Like God is amazing, y'all. Y'all, I just want to say when we when first started this app, I had no idea, no idea how we were going to pay for this app. It costs thousands of dollars a year to run the Faith Moms Tribe app. I had no idea, but people have been giving and giving and giving to the point where the app is paid for. And now we're able to start thinking about building and, and employing first myself and others to build a team of people that are focused on this ministry work and can like push it forward. Like I, I'm amazed. I am absolutely amazed. And it's been less than two years and God is already just whew, blowing my mind. So I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for being faithful to your word, for being faithful to your promise and for being faithful to your vision. Oh, thank you, God. All right. What are you guys grateful for this morning? Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, Roma. Brandy says, I'm grateful for God's love. Amen. Good morning, Bevy. Erica says, I'm grateful for God taking care of me and my family. Hallelujah. Brenda says, I'm grateful God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that same God is the God of Dominique, Raquel, Donita, Anastasia, CJ, Lashana, Brenda, Latrice, and all his children. Come on, Brenda. Woo. Amen. Hallelujah. Talia says, I'm so thankful my husband's car was not stolen yesterday. Come on. I've been praying. It was accidentally towed. And we were able to get the car back. God is faithful. Praise the Lord. I have been praying. I was looking forward to hearing um, about what happened. Praise God that it wasn't stolen and that you guys have the vehicle back. Bevy says, I'm so grateful to God for his daily provision. Amen. Audrey said, I'm grateful for daily life health, and strength. Amen. Nisha says, I'm grateful to the Lord for his healing and providing me with knowledgeable doctors and steady hands. Come on, knowledgeable doctors with steady hands. Hallelujah. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. April says, I'm grateful that God is still faithful even when I'm not. Honey, whoo, hallelujah. T. Horton says, I'm grateful to God for his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Raquel says, grateful just to see another day and grateful to be a part of this community because God knew I needed this. Amen. Lilith says, I am grateful to God for this brand new day that we can come together to learn about him and to know him better. Hallelujah. Donita says, I'm grateful to God for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Can't imagine life without them. Grateful for God doing the work needed in my life. Amen. CJ says, I'm grateful to God for healing me from the fear of needles. This has allowed me to take better care of myself. God is a healer. Come on. Hallelujah. Bella says, I'm grateful to be awake this morning and grateful for sustaining all throughout the years I've been here. Amen. Ellen says, so, so grateful to have this virtual group every morning. Grateful to be learning to be gentle on myself and to learn how God loves. Amen. Anastasia says, grateful for the grace of God and his word that is so reassuring. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Danita says, grateful for the mercy of God. Come on. Hallelujah. Good morning, Tess. Jessica says, grateful to be in the land of the living and grateful for the things he reveals to me. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Romans is grateful, grateful, grateful. Hallelujah. Come on. 
Grateful, grateful, grateful. Latrice says, I'm grateful to God for a functioning body and mind. Hallelujah. Come on, we could keep going. We could go on for days and weeks and months with all that we're grateful for, and we would still never scratch the surface. God is so good. Good morning, Heidi. I was just praying for you and those babies. I was I was been thinking about you. I'm so glad to see you this morning. Amen. Good morning, Heather. Bella says, I'm grateful for his steadfast love and faithfulness today. Hallelujah. 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 All right, y'all. Well, don't let me stop your praise, right? Don't let me stop your praise. If you got a praise and you got to let it out, keep typing it in. Um, but I'm getting ready to pray us in as we prepare to jump into Joshua chapter 22 this morning. Um, and, and just see what the Lord has to say uh, to us today. All right. We have a sister here from Nigeria. Greetings, sis. All right. That's amazing. Amen. Nidia in the app says, good morning, sisters. Grateful for you, my family, his word, answers to prayers so much. Anastasia says, thankful that I can start my day with the Lord and still have the opportunity to study the Bible in the middle of my daily activities. I love that. So Anastasia's in Italy. So she comes in and it's the afternoon for her. I love that it's like different time zones and we're all over. It's absolutely amazing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, y'all, we're going to go ahead and pray. Feel free again, feel free to keep typing in what you're grateful to God for as we pray in and prepare to study Joshua chapter 22. Let's pray. <sighs> Father God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all the things that we listed out and gratitude and all the things that we didn't even say. We thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, that there is none like you, that you are worthy of all the praise and honor. Lord, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that even when the world around us feels like it's shaking, you don't shake, you are steady. And we thank you for your faithfulness and your steadiness. Lord, as we prepare to go into Joshua chapter 22 today, we ask that you lead us, guide us, and direct us. Show us you. Lord, we want to experience more than just words on a page, but we want to know you better. We love you. We give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Have your way. Where you lead, we will follow. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. Praise God. Oh, we got a super sticker. These things are really cool. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for your support of this ministry. Ah, God is good. All right, y'all, we are getting ready to jump into Joshua chapter 22. If this is your first time reading with us or studying with us, this is what we do. We read the chapter two times through. The first time we, we can close our eyes, we soak it in, we get a picture of what's happening. The second time, take out your pens, your highlighters, make sure to write key words and underline key words and write in the margins and take notes. And then we move into a time of personal reflection and then a time of corporate reflection. So if that sounds like something that you are interested in, 
then you are absolutely in the right place. Again, we're reading Joshua chapter 22. I am reading from the CSB translation. You can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. All right, let's jump in. Joshua chapter 22. Joshua summoned the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh and told them, you have done everything Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you and have obeyed me in everything I commanded you. You have not deserted your brothers even once this whole time, but have carried out the requirement of the command of the Lord your God. Now that he has given your brothers rest, just as he promised them, return to your homes in your own land that Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you across the Jordan. Only carefully obey the command and instruction that Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you to love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, keep his commands, be loyal to him, and serve him with your heart and soul. Joshua blessed them and sent them on their way, and they went to their homes. Moses had given territory to half the tribe of Manasseh and Bashan, but Joshua had given territory to the other half with their brothers on the west side of the Jordan. When Joshua sent them to their homes and blessed them, he said, return to your homes with great wealth, a huge number of cattle and silver, gold, bronze, iron, and a large quantity of clothing. Share the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh in the land of Canaan to return to their own land of Gilead, which they took possession of according to the Lord's command through Moses. When they came to the region of the Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh built a large, impressive altar there by the Jordan. Then the Israelites heard it, said, look, the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan at the region of the Jordan on the Israelite side. When the Israelites heard this, the entire Israelite community assembled at Shiloh to go to war against them. The Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead. They sent 10 leaders with him, one family leader for each tribe of Israel. All of them were heads of their ancestral families among the clans of Israel. They went to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead and told them, this is what the Lord's entire community says. What is this treachery you have committed today against the God of Israel by turning away from the Lord and building an altar for yourselves so that you are in rebellion against the Lord today? Wasn't the iniquity of Peor, which brought a plague on the Lord's community, enough for us? We have not cleansed ourselves from it even to this day. And now you would turn away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, Tomorrow he will be angry with the entire community of Israel. But if the land you possess is defiled, 
cross over to the land the Lord possesses where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take possession of it, of it among us. But don't rebel against the Lord or against us by building for yourself an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. Wasn't Achan, son of Zariah, unfaithful regarding what was set apart for destruction, bringing wrath on the entire community of Israel? He was not the only one who perished because of his iniquity. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh answered the heads of the Israelite clans. The mighty one, God, the Lord. The mighty one, God, the Lord. He knows, and may Israel also know. Do not spare us today if it was rebellion or treachery against the Lord that we have built for ourselves an altar to turn away from him. May the Lord himself hold us accountable if we intended to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings on it or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it. We actually did this from a specific concern that in the future, your descendants might say to our descendants, what relationship do you have with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between us and you descendants of Reuben and Gad. You have no share in the Lord. So your descendants may cause our descendants to stop fearing the Lord. Therefore, we said, let us take action and build an altar for ourselves, but not for burnt offering or sacrifice. Instead, it is to be a witness between us and you and between the generations after us so that we may carry out the worship of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to our descendants, you have no share in the Lord. We thought that if they said this to us or to our generations in the future, we would reply, look at the replica of the Lord's altar that our fathers made, not for burnt offerings or sacrifice, but as a witness between us and you. We would never, ever rebel against the Lord or turn away from him today by building an offering, an altar for burnt offering, grain offerings, or sacrifice, other than the altar of the Lord our God, which is in front of his tabernacle. When the priest Phineas and the community leaders, the heads of Israel clans who were with him, heard what the descendants of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say, they were pleased. Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, said to the descendants of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is among us because you have not committed this treachery against us. As a result, you have rescued the Israelites from the Lord's power. Then the priest, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and the leaders returned from, returned from the Reubenites and Gadites in the land of Gilead to the Israelites in the land of Canaan and brought back a report to them. The Israelites were pleased with the report and they blessed God. They spoke no more about going to war against them to ravage the land where the Reubenites and Gadites lived. So the Reubenites and Gadites named the altar. It is a witness between us that the Lord is God. All right, let's read this one more time. This time, take out your pens, your highlighters, Feel free to take notes. Here we go. 
Joshua 22. Joshua summoned the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh and told them, you have done everything Moses and the Lord's servant commanded you and have obeyed me in everything I commanded you. You have not deserted your brothers even once this whole time, but have carried out the requirement of the command of the Lord your God. Now that he has given your brothers rest, just as he promised them, return to your homes in your own land that Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you across the Jordan. Only carefully obey the command and instruction that Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you to love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, keep his commands, be loyal to him, and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Joshua blessed them and sent them on their way, and they went to their homes. Moses had given territory to half the tribe of Manasseh and Bashan, but Joshua had given territory to the other half within their brothers on the west side of the Jordan. When Joshua sent them to their homes and blessed them, he said, return to your homes with great wealth, a huge number of cattle and silver, gold, bronze, iron, and a large quantity of clothing. Share the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh in the land of Canaan and returned to their own land of Gilead, which they took possession of according to the Lord's command through Moses. When they came to the region of the Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh built a large impressive altar there by the Jordan. Then the Israelites heard it and said, look, the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan at the region of Jordan on the Israelite side. When the Israelites heard this, the entire Israelite community assembled at Shiloh to go to war against them. The Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead. They sent 10 leaders with him, one family leader for each tribe of Israel. All of them were heads of their ancestral families among the clans of Israel. They went to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead and told them, this is what the Lord's entire community says. What is this treachery you have committed today against the God of Israel by turning away from the Lord and building an altar for yourselves so that you are in rebellion against the Lord today? Wasn't the iniquity of Peor, which brought a plague on the Lord's community enough for us? We have not cleansed ourselves from it even to this day. And now you would turn away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the entire community of Israel. But if the land you possess is defiled, cross over to the land the Lord possesses where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take possession of it among us. But don't rebel against the Lord or against us by building for yourself an altar other than the altar of the Lord your God. Wasn't Achan, son of Zerah, unfaithful regarding what was set apart for destruction 
bringing wrath on the entire community of Israel. He was not the only one who perished because of his iniquity. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh answered the heads of the Israelite clans. The mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows and may Israel also know. Do not spare us today if it was in rebellion or treachery against the Lord that we have built for ourselves an altar to turn away from him. May the Lord himself hold us accountable if we intended to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings on it or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it. We actually did this for, from a specific concern that in the future, your descendants might say to our descendants, what relationship do you have with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between us and you descendants of Reuben and Gad. You have no share in the Lord. So your descendants may cause our descendants to stop fearing the Lord. Therefore, we said, let us take action and build an altar for ourselves, but not for burnt offering or sacrifice. Instead, it is to be a witness between us and you and between the generations after us so that we may carry out the worship of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to our descendants, you have no share in the Lord. We thought that if they said this to us or to our generations in the future, we would reply, look at the replica of the Lord's altar that our fathers made, not for burnt offering or sacrifice, but as a witness between us and you. We would never ever rebel against the Lord or turn away from him today by building an altar for burnt offering grain offerings or sacrifice other than the altar of the Lord our God, which is in front of his tabernacle. When the priest Phineas and the community leaders, the heads of Israel clans who were with him heard what the descendants of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say, they were pleased. Phineas, son of Eleazar, the priest, said to the descendants of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, today we know that the Lord is among us because you have not committed this treachery against us. As a result, you have rescued the Israelites from the Lord's power. Then the priest Phineas, son of Eleazar, and the leaders returned from the Reubenites and Gadites in the land of Gilead to the Israelites in the land of Canaan and brought back a report to them. The Israelites were pleased with the report and they blessed God. They spoke no more about going to war against them to ravage the land where the Reubenites and Gadites lived. So the Reubenites and Gadites named the altar. It is a witness between us that the Lord is God. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to read this chapter. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, as we go into a time of personal reflection and into a time of corporate reflection, we ask that you would lead our reflection time and show us what it is that you want us to see. Lord, we want it to be more than just words on a page or a nice story read. 
Lord, we desire to be drawn closer to you, to know you better, to understand your character. So Lord, we give you the glory, honor, and praise, asking you to have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go into a time of personal reflection, and then we will come back for a time of corporate reflection. Here we go. All right, so I'm excited to be able to jump into this corporate reflection with you guys. And before we do, I've been sharing a little bit of background each time we finish a chapter. So I want to share a little bit of background just in case this is your first time reading along with us. So the tribes that we're talking about are the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. So let's take a look at this map here. As you can see, um, uh, East Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben um, are kind of on the side of Israel. And these tribes were given their land before Joshua took over as the leader. And what they had to do was they could leave their, their wives and their children in their and their elderly in that land while all of the warrior men went with their brothers to fight for the rest of the land that Israel was going to take. Now, while they were while they were fighting, they came to the conclusion of all the war and everything, and they literally waited there until everybody got their land. And then Joshua told them, okay, now you can go back to the land that was given to you. So they had already received their land before the book of Joshua even took place. But they, because they were, um, they were brothers of Israel, they came with all of the rest of Israel to make sure the rest of Israel got their land. And now they're going back to their land. And that's when this kind of tension is happening. And so that's how this all happened. So they got their land assigned to them by Moses and the remainder of Israel got their land assigned to them by Joshua. So I'm excited to see what is standing out to you guys today as we read this chapter. CJ says, verse 5, 22, and 34 stood out to me. This chapter reminds me of the gospel, spreading the gospel among all nations, also building a godly legacy for future generations. Mm. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, Brickell says verse four through six stood out to me. After they fulfilled their promise to fight with Israel, they were released with blessings. Come on. 
uh, Bevy says the same same thing. She says obedience yields dividends. Come on, obedience yields dividends. Brenda says verse twenty seven. Let's go there. Verse twenty seven says. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Instead is to be a witness between us and you and between the generations after us so that we may carry out the worship of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings, sacrifice and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to our descendants, you have no share in the Lord. This is huge. So we have to understand that this is actually what Israel went through in Egypt. Remember? So. Josh, uh, Joseph did all these great things in Egypt, right? But as the generations went on, the later pharaohs forgot about who Joseph was and how he helped Egypt. They forgot about him. And because they forgot about him, they put Israel into slavery. And so the Israel is like, look, I know we're all good here, uh, the tribe of Manasseh and Gad. And, and they're like, look, I know we're good now. <laughs> But we are concerned about the future and the future generations forgetting that we have this brotherhood and forgetting our whole um, history together. So we are going to build this this replica altar. And we might be asking, why was it so why was it such a big deal that um, they not they not worship on this? So remember in Exodus where they got all of the. Um, they got told how to build the tabernacle and everything and how the altar was in the tabernacle. So the belief at this point was that we cannot worship God anywhere except for this altar that is specifically laid out the way that he told Moses to lay out the tabernacle. So the fact that the that Manasseh and the Gadites and the Reubenites were building this, this tabernacle was a huge problem because they were like, no, no, we got specific instructions that this is how the tabernacle is supposed to be built. And this is where it's supposed to be. And now you're building something else. And so that's why there was like, there was such that grief, but, but these tribes over here were like, look, we've seen it happen with Egypt. They forgot about, you know, the good that we did together. And we know that it's a potential for it to happen um, among us. And we want to make sure that there is a visual representation. There's <laughs> a visual representation that we're together, that we worship the same God. Uh, Anastasia says verse six through eight, 18 through 19, 24 through 28. Yep. 24 through 28 is kind of around what we were just reading where they're basically saying, hey, they're explaining themselves. They're like, this is what, we are not trying to stand against you. We're not trying to do anything against God. This is what we're doing. We are set, we are making a visual representation that we worship the same God. We are letting you know that we're on the same team. Even though you know it now, we want to have, we want to have a visual for the generations to come, for the generations to come. Latrice says they were willing to take possession uh, with them to keep them from rebelling against God. Yeah, let's go to verse 19. It says, but if the land you possess is defiled, cross over to the land the Lord possesses where the Lord's tabernacle stands and take possession of it among us. But don't rebel against the Lord or against us by building yourselves an altar other than the altar of the Lord our God. Look, Israel's been through enough. This is what they're saying. We've been through enough. We have watched when people turn against God 
that it impacts the entire nation. Like, look, if there's a problem with your land, come on over here and, and then have the land with us. But don't don't mess up. Don't defile all of Israel by doing something crazy is what they're saying. Don't do it. Brenda says, why is, is it half the tribe of Manasseh? That's a good question. So if we look at this map here, we see that the East Manasseh was given land and then the other half of Manasseh was given land inside of Israel. And this is because, well, the tribe of Manasseh was very large. So we have to understand that. So they split them into two sections and Moses gave the first section of Manasseh his, their land first. So that's a great question. All right, let's keep going. Erica says, verse four, and the Lord gave them rest. Come on, somebody brought that out last, um, the last chapter two, and the Lord gave them rest. Hallelujah. Lilith says, verse one through six, and these are the verses where they're talking about what these tribes did and how they were faithful, and because of their faithfulness, um, they are they are blessed. And then in verse five, it says, um, be careful to obey the commands and instructions that Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you to love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, keep his commands, be loyal to him and serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Mm. Heather says we should not jump to assumptions. Oof. Oof. We're going to come back to that one. That That's a good one. Okay. Ellen says, witness between ourselves and yourselves. The word witness throughout and sharing witness that the Lord's perspective is above all. Come on. Also, verse 19. <laughs> Barb says, did I miss a God said? Oh, they're doing all of this among themselves. So that's a great question. Anastasia said, verse 22, the mighty one is God. He is the Lord. They acknowledge God for who he truly is. Brandy said, what stood out to me the most is the 10 tribes jumped to conclusion about the altar. I think if they sent a priest to question them, to, I think if they sent a priest to question him or clear up the misunderstanding. Yeah, that's what they did. They sent the priest to, to ask what in the world is going on here? Donita said, uh, Brandy, that's interesting because I jumped too until we kept reading. I was like, wait. And then they explained. <laughs> she was like, hold up. No, they ain't about to do this. <laughs> We're not, we are not doing this. Come on. They were like, wait, hold on. Uh, Donita said, verse 10 in the NLT says, imposing altar. That's why I was like, uh-oh, for two seconds. Yeah. So very big. They built a very big altar, right? Very big. So it was seen. <laughs> it's like, woo. Anastasia said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Come on. Latrice says, TEC brings me to Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Love listens. Let, let, let's go to see what actually happened here, right? The reality of it is that the idea of this tribe building, these tribes building an altar was a problem, right? It was a problem if it wasn't to God. It was a problem if they were trying to do something separate to God. So the fact that the other tribes kind of jumped to that conclusion is not completely bad right? It's not completely bad, 
But look at how they handled it. And I believe this is what God tells us to, Jesus tells us to do in the New Testament. Look at how they handled it. They didn't just go in there with the soldiers like we killing everybody. They went, they sent um, a priest and they sent some people to talk about this. Hey guys, what's up? Like, I mean, they, they were ready for the next level. They were ready for war. If these people were like, trying to say we don't we don't serve God anymore we got our own God and we're building an altar to him they was ready but they went in first and said hey what's going on we want to make we want to see what's happening right and then they had a conversation and then the tribes of Manasseh and Gad and Reuben were able to explain themselves in the New Testament Jesus talks about what to do when we have offense with our brother and he uses this same principle he says first go and share your offense with them talk about it and it says if he, if he understands then you have gained a brother you are now brothers right and then it, and then jesus goes down the list he says if they don't listen then bring or more if they don't listen then then bring the whole church and if they don't listen then then treat them like a treat them like a pagan is basically what is what jesus said and so there's a powerful lesson in this number one humans jump to assumptions we do it's going to happen right humans judge it's going to happen right this is going to happen. It's not not going to happen. And it's not always bad. We as human beings, every day, we're making judgment calls in our minds about things. Every single day. Every day we're deciding, is that, I don't know, should I do this? Should I do that? I'm not sure. Like every day we're doing that. Every day we're making decisions about what shows we should let our kids watch. Every day we're making decisions. about. So humans do this, right? So what they did, what they did is not necessarily a bad thing. It would have been bad had they gone in there with guns ablazing. But they went in there to inquire, what is going on? What is happening? Right? They went in there to inquire. And oftentimes, I wonder... How often we inquire before we take action. So the problem is not necessarily the assumption. The problem is, do I jump to action with my assumption? That's the issue. The problem would have been if they would have went to war with them immediately based on complete assumption. The reality is as humans, we make assumptions regularly and our assumptions may very well be wrong. To them, it felt very right. They were like, look, I am not, we are not going to go through this again. We are not going to go through this again. That's what the the other tribes of Israel were saying. They were like, we're not going to go through this again. They said, remember Achan? Remember what Achan did when he took the the stuff from Jericho and then other people had to die because of what Achan did? We're not doing this no more, right? 
But thankfully, they didn't jump too fast to action. So the question is, is becomes, first of all, do I recognize that my assumption is just an assumption? It's not actually fact. And do I do I give the other person an opportunity to speak? And do I listen to what they say? Come on. Because it's very possible that what I'm assuming is not the truth. It doesn't make me horrible for assuming. Right? Because I, humans do that. They wanted to make sure that, hey, we want to make sure that, you know, we're not, God's wrath is not going to come. Like we've had enough of God's wrath. So they sent in somebody to ask. Because they recognized. Just because I assume that this is happening. Let me find out what's actually happening. And the question is, how often do we take our assumptions as facts? Come on, Latrice said, also, they didn't assume something and cut themselves off from their brothers either. They confronted what they thought was sin. Come on. So they didn't just be like, oh, you know, forget about them. I just don't want to have nothing to do with them. I'm not even going to talk to them about it. Come on. How often has our assumptions caused us to cut off people before we even talk to them? Before we even listened to what was happening? Come on. Bernie says it was the way they inquired to me. They didn't just question them. They gave past experiences, assuming they are doing the same. My husband has checked me on bringing up the past. Yeah, they did do that. <laughs> now we have that. They did do that. So there's two things, right? There's two things going on. They were ready to fight. Let's just be honest. They were ready to fight. They were holding back the fight and they were explaining why we're ready to fight, why this is such a big deal to us. Now on the other side, so there's two sides to this communication process, right? On one side, it's the person who is bringing the offense. And the person who is bringing the offense may say, hey, this is why I'm concerned. These are the issues. These are the problems. Now, the person that's hearing the offense be brought up, they can say, hey, I know that happened in the past, but right now, this is not the case. This is what's happening now. So both, both parties has a, a responsibility in the conversation. This party, Manasseh and Gad, they could have jumped and been, been offended by how Israel brought it to them. But it's just like, this is how they did it. This is, this is how they brought it, right? This is how they did it. But, the, but getting to the root of the problem was, hey, are you sinning against God that we need to go to war? Have you, have you turned your back on God? Do we need to go to war? But one of the powerful things about it is, even though they could have probably asked better, right? They could have probably came at this a different way. The, the, the reality is they didn't let their assumptions dictate their actions right away. 
They didn't let it dictate their actions right away. I mean, they had history. These were, they, these were their brothers, right? So they didn't let it dictate their actions right away, but they, they said, hey, look, <laughs> we're not going through this again. We're not going through this again. What are you doing? The question for us today is, are there areas in our life where we've jumped to assumptions and let our assumptions dictate our actions? Have we jumped to assumptions and let our assumptions dictate our actions? Because the reality is assumptions are just assumptions. They're just assumptions. Just because I'm offended by someone, something someone does and I'm assuming that they meant to offend me doesn't mean they did. Just because I feel threat, see, just because I feel threatened by something someone is doing doesn't mean that they're actually a threat. Just because I feel threatened by something someone is doing doesn't mean they're actually a threat. How often do I actually confront how often do I actually confront the assumption that I have and really ask and really confront it? Look, what's going on? Because I feel like this, not saying it's true, but I feel like this, what's happening and letting them speak on it and then listening to what they say. I don't know about you guys, but this happens a lot in families. I've experienced this a lot in my family. Like if my husband doesn't do a particular thing, I then assume that, oh, he thinks that I'm going to just do it. He think, He's taking me for granted. He's taking me for granted. I'm assuming that based on what he's doing, that he's taking me for granted. Oh, he didn't take the trash out because he's taking me for granted. He's taking me for granted. But then how often do I actually ask him, hey, I noticed you didn't take the trash out. What's happening? What if he then responds and says, oh man, I was rushing for work and I was just, you know, I was all over the place and I was trying to get out and my mind, I'm so sorry, I forgot. Then I have the option to hold on to the offense that I created or let it go. Or let it go. Uh, Miss Gardner says, what if the person is a known liar? Come on. If the person is a known liar, they're a known liar. You know? <laughs> and so we do have to take into account character. But this is one of the things that they knew about the the about Manasseh and the Gadites and all this stuff. They knew, that, hey, these people just fought alongside us. Right? These people just fought alongside us. These people just this and that. So we do have to understand, hey, there, there is a character thing involved in here. Jesus gets really deep into some of the things. Um, and a lot of times we think as believers that Jesus is calling us to just like 
accept anything from anyone. And that's not what he said. Like, he's very clear about, hey, if, if somebody offends you, do this, do this, do this. If this doesn't work, then you like, you know, so Jesus gives us those specifics. But in this particular instance, and possibly in our lives, there are people who have, have shown themselves faithful. Take your husband or whatever or whomever, your 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 kids. They 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 haven't. And so the the idea is that you go and you ask them and then you listen for their response. Instead of acting on your assumptions, you're going to assume. So the idea is you are going to assume this is going to happen. You need to recognize assumptions are not facts. I need to recognize assumptions are not facts. They may be facts, but at at the moment, they are assumptions. Come on. Bernie says, I often think that when my family does not do what I request, they are being lazy, right? Again, that's an assumption right? I've been having conversations with them to better understand their side. So my assumption is they're doing, the reality is they did this. The only reality is here is that the Gadites, Reubenites, and half the tribe of Manasseh built a, a built an altar. That's the only fact. They built an altar. Now, the reason that I believe they did this, that's assumption. The reality is they built the altar. The assumption came in when I tried to attribute meaning to why they did it. To why they did it, right? So the same thing with Brandy. The the reality is the family members did not do what I requested. That's the fact. That's the only fact. That's the only fact. The assumption then comes when I say they didn't do it because they're lazy. The reality is I don't know why they didn't do it. You see what God is showing us? I don't know why, but this part is fact and this part is assumption. So we've got to separate the two and then go find out the true reason. And then just go find the true reason, right? Latrice says, the years I wasted being mad at my man in the beginning of our marriage, y'all, this stuff takes daily prayer and submission to the Holy Spirit. Come on. Woo. And some of us are walking around, we're mad at our mom. We got mom hurt. We got daddy hurt. We got, we got hurt from all these people. Why? Because they did something. And then I attributed meaning to it. They did this and then I attributed meaning to it. Perhaps we had a mom who was struggling with drug addiction. And because of her drug addiction, she was absent for most of our life. And I attributed that to mean she does not love me. She does not care about me. If she cared about me, then she would have been there, right? I attribute her actions to mean that she doesn't love me. But that very well may not be true. It could, and the only person who knows why she did what she did is her. So I'm attributing meaning to it. But the only reality is, she was on drugs and she didn't make it to the things I wanted her to make it to. I don't know why 
And, and because we're humans, we want to figure out why. But, but the only person that can answer that is the person that's doing it. So when I attribute meaning to someone else's actions, I don't know their heart. I don't know why they did what they did. I don't know. It could have been because they were trying to run from their own pain and they got caught up in drugs and they couldn't get themselves out. It could have been because they they, they had thoughts in their mind and they were trying to self-medicate from the psychosis. I don't know. And then because they did this, they, then it ended up affecting me in this way. Did it hurt? Yes. But it doesn't mean that why they're doing it, that assumption I'm making doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's right. Right? And Miss Gardner says, there, there's some things I don't even want to know why. <laughs> I gave it to God. Right? And that's the reality. But, but what will keep us in a loop is when we keep basing our actions based on our assumptions. Based on our assumptions over and over and over again. The truth is we just don't know. And if they're not available, if they're not available to ask, or if they, they just don't tell truth, like I may never know, right? But the reality is my assumptions are not facts. My assumptions are not facts. Well, she says, I'm not God. I don't know what people's motives are. That's reality. And there are times where God will say, and you know, and God will say, mm-mm, flag on the place, stay away, right? There are times. But the reality is I'm not God. I don't know what people's motives are. So when something happens that hurts me, that I'm concerned about, my option is to go talk to that person or to give it to God, but I can't base my actions on my assumptions because my assumptions are not facts. Natalia says, I'm dealing with a situation now where I haven't confronted someone on something because I don't want to make myself vulnerable to ask them. I'm trying to protect my feelings. And the reality is, we've got to understand that's what I'm doing. It doesn't mean that what I assumed about what they're doing is right. Right? So we've just got to say, you know what? At this point, I'm not going to talk about it. That's fine. But we also have to understand that my assumptions could very well be wrong. Going back to what, going back to what Latrice said, I'm not God. I feel like we need to wear that on a shirt to remind ourselves. I'm not God and I don't know what people's motives are. I'm not God. I'm not, thank God, I'm not God. Hallelujah, I'm not God. And I don't know what people's motives are. Praise the Lord. Thank God, I'm not God and I don't know everybody's heart. I don't. I'm not God. 
So although we may assume, don't let us not take action based on our assumptions. My brother used to say, oh, look at those opinions walking around like facts. <laughs> look at those opinions walking around like facts. If I see my family not doing what I ask them to do, and then I, I assume that they're lazy, that's an opinion parading itself like a fact. I don't know it's a fact, right? And so this is what we're seeing here. And Jesus actually breaks this down. It's like, look. If you, Jesus breaks this down for us. He's like, if, if your brother offends you, these are the steps you need to go through before you just cut them off and before you just throw them away and all this stuff. Go through these steps. Don't let opinion just walk around like facts because of the way they feel. Erica says, this is a hard lesson for me. I live life on assumptions. Lord, forgive me and help me. And I'm similar, sis. And why do we do that? To try to keep ourselves safe. This is the reality. We are constantly trying to keep ourselves safe when God wants to be our protector. So we make these assumptions and we act on them. Because there's a possibility that our assumptions might be right. So if our assumptions are right, then I want to get ahead of this and act on it so that I am protected. But our assumptions can't protect us. They can't. Our assumptions can't protect us. They just push us in a little box and, and close us in there. Latrice said, I used to get mad at people at work because I wash everyone's dish in the kitchen when I'd wash mine. Then God was like, what is your reason? Because if it shows a picture of me, then what are you mad at? Come on. It's that prodigal son, prodigal son's brother syndrome. Yeah. Remember when the prodigal son, so I'll tell the story. So the prodigal son returns. And the brother that was in the house was just like, like, he doesn't deserve this because I've been in this house and why didn't I get? So he had assumed that his father didn't want to give him this, this fatty calf. He had assumed that he had to work super hard. to. Earn. He assumed all these things, never asked his daddy for the fatty calf or to have a party or whatever he wanted to do. Never asked because he assumed his daddy was going to be going to say no. So he assumed and he lived his life distant because of assumptions. And then what happened when his assumptions, what happened when the brother came back? His assumptions turned into resentment. That's the thing about when we act on our assumptions. The reality is we will have them, but how will we act? Will we act as if they are facts? Our assumptions are not fact. The only fact is that your, your husband didn't do the dishes. The assumption is that he's taking advantage of you. That's not a fact. That's an opinion. And you have to talk to him about that, right? The assumption is that, hey, 
the, the fact is that, hey, my mama was on drugs. The assumption is she was on drugs because she didn't love me. That's a that's an opinion masquerading as a fact. And it until you actually know that's a fact, it's not. Think about our kids. My kid, the only truth in this situation is my kid is having a tantrum, right? My kid is having a tantrum. The assumption is my kid is having a tantrum because they don't respect me. Again, as an assumption, I'm now adding meaning to the actual thing they're doing. And then when I add meaning, if I don't check my meaning, then I will act on it. For instance, kid has a tantrum, right? Parent takes on the meaning of this child doesn't respect me. Parent then begins to yell at said kid. Why? To take the respect and power that they feel like they've lost through that child. But what if the child is having the tantrum because they don't know how to express an emotion? What if the child is having a tantrum because they're, they're so overwhelmed with the emotion and they really want this thing and they just, ah, uh, and they're just screaming and hollering because they don't know how to express it because you know what? They've only been on earth for three years and they only have three years worth of experience with the English language, whereas I have 35. And so maybe they don't have the words to express what they're feeling because they only have three years of experience with the language. And out of those three years, they only have a year and a half of actually speaking it and only a year of actually speaking it intelligibly. <laughs> right? So my assumption is they're disrespecting me. But what is actually causing the behavior? I won't know unless I talk or observe before I jump to do something about it. How often do we act on our assumptions versus acting on facts? Come on. Ha, <laughs> Jessica, that's funny. Nisha says, right, sometimes I got to close my mouth, buckle my seatbelt, and let Jesus take the wheel. I soon realized all my mixed emotions were for nothing. The situation wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Bailey says, it can be true, but it doesn't make it the truth. Yes, my husband didn't do the dishes. True. He doesn't love me because he's lazy. That's not true, right? That's the assumption. The assumption comes when I put meaning on what happened. Our minds always want to finish the story. They want Our minds want to finish the story and put it in a tidy box. But we can, we've got to separate the facts from the assumption so that we can do one of two things. One, we can address it and, and find out what this person meaning behind this was. Or two, we can give it to God. 
Assumptions are not to be acted on. Assumptions are not to be acted on. They're either to push you into a conversation with the person or they're to push you into a conversation with God. Assumptions are conversation starters, not action starters. They should not push me into action. They should not push me. Like if I'm assuming my child is disrespecting me, it should not then push me into a place where I'm spanking that child, right? Because because of an assumption or where I'm yelling at that child because of an assumption. Assumption should draw us to conversation, even either with that person or with God to further gain clarity. And this is what we see in this right here. And Ms. Gardner brought it up. It was like, hey, there's some times where you can't talk to that person and it, you're, it needs to draw you in relationship with God. And then what does God do? You give that assumption to God because you recognize there's no truth and I can't prove this to be true or false. Assumption should draw us into conversation either with that person or with God, but I should not go around acting on how often have I given my husband the cold shoulder because I assumed that he was taking me for granted. So I I went into action mode and was like, I'm just going to be silent treatment. Then I'm just going to. Hmm. Come on, Brandy says, and these are real. This is this is one of those messages where it's like getting to the nitty gritty of reality. Like Brandy says, dealing with the irrational teenage girl is challenging. Come on, I often in the conversation saying, "I'm done. I can't continue talking because you're being irrational. I know this is not right. Right? It may not be right, but it may be the only tool we got in our toolbox. But the reality is, let's say." let's say the person is being irrational or what we consider irrational. First of all, we got to kind of just, you know, what is irrational? Are they actually doing these things? And let's say that they are actually doing these things, right? But we don't know why, right? And that's where the assumption comes in. I don't know why. Now, I may very well have a hard time dealing with that particular situation and I need new tools in my tool belt, but I can't then, I can't then punish that person because of, an assumption, right? And I, who we can get into talking to our children because our children, well, we have to understand our children go to, through tons of changes under our roof. Our children learn how to talk under our roof. Our children learn how to manage emotions under our roof. Our children go through puberty under our roof. There are so many things about our kids that impact the way that they communicate that we can't take a blanket assumption about why they're doing what they're doing. Come on, hallelujah. We're getting ready to close, but this is good. Bailey says, I'm learning how to not to how to not fall down the rabbit hole. I get hypothetical about my hypothetical situations. This whole situation would play out, and I couldn't even remember what I originally thought. There's this really quick story, and I'm gonna tell it. it I find it funny, and I think that this kind of this goes to what we're talking about. So there was a man whose car broke down um, on the middle of the road. 
and it was a dark road. And the man didn't have, um, didn't have the tools he needed to fix the car. Way up ahead, he saw a house that had a light on. And he was like, my only option is to go to ask that person for help. But as he was walking, he started creating this picture in his mind. Oh, that person's probably going to be angry with me because I'm, you know, waking them up in the middle of the night. That person's probably going to be angry with me um, from waking them up in the middle of the night. Oh my goodness, that you know that person is probably going to be like, what in the world? And they're going to be so furious that I woke them up in the middle of the night. And then the story started to escalate. It was like, what if they got a gun? Oh my goodness, they could think that I am that I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. And the person creates this big, huge story in their mind of all the things that could potentially happen when they get to this door. And they end up getting to the door and knock on the door. And the person opens the door and says, hey. And the person at the other end of the door says, I'm not trying to take anything. I'm not trying to steal anything from you and walks away. And the story is so funny because the person that needed the help created this huge story in their mind to the point where by the time they got to that other person, they couldn't even accept the help. They couldn't have the conversation because they were already thinking of their opinions and their assumptions as facts. This is, I believe this is what this story, but also many stories in the scriptures warn us against. I'm not God. I don't know the motive. If I want to learn the motive, I've got to ask. And if I don't want to learn the motive, I've got to give my assumptions to God because my assumptions won't do anybody any good. So Leah says, oftentimes we have imagined the outcome we want and they don't make it better either. Yeah, come on. How many times we end up mad at God because we assumed how he was going to do something? Our whole relationship with God is at a standstill because we assumed he was going to fix something the way we assumed he was going to do it. And it didn't turn out that way. And then when it didn't turn out that way, we assumed it's because he left us. We assumed it's because we must have done something to make him mad. We assumed all these things. And then our relationship with God just gets distant and distant, all based on an assumption. Opinions masquerading as facts. So the idea here is that we have to learn how to separate our assumptions from facts. The reason that assumptions are so powerful is because they attach themselves to facts. The fact here was that the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh built an altar, a big one. That's fact. The assumption then attaches itself to the fact, which is why it makes it so strong. So in order to be sober-minded, we have to separate, and this is going to take some time. This means that we got to be more quiet than we talk. We've got to separate the fact from the assumption. This is the fact. This is the assumption. Right? 
That's why assumptions are so strong. They remain strong if we allow them to continue to hold on to facts because we try to prove the assumption right based on the fact, but they're not the same. So when I said, when I, the fact is my husband did not take out the trash. The assumption is that he didn't do it because he's taking me for granted. I have to separate these two and look at them. Did my husband not take out the trash? Yes, that is true. That is fact. Did he do it because he doesn't appreciate me? I don't know. This is where I need to get in the conversation and listen. I don't know. How often do we say that about our assumptions? I don't know. So if I don't know, either I need to go find out or either I need to give this away if I don't want to find out. But the reality is when I look at an assumption, I don't know. The fact is, the fact is the child is having a tantrum. The assumption is that they're doing it because they disrespect me. What's the truth? The truth is the child is having a tantrum. That is true. The assumption is they don't respect me. Do I know that to be true? I don't know. Let's take it this way. The fact is the thing that I prayed to God for did not happen. Right? Maybe I prayed to God for a relative to live and they died. The fact is that I prayed to God and my relative died. The assumption is that God has left me. God does not hear my prayers. We've got to separate them. Which one is fact? I prayed and the person still died. That's a fact. Is it because God left me? You know what? I don't know. I need to go and talk to God about this, right? It should draw us into conversation. Bailey says, I started asking myself, did they say that or did I say that? Did my husband say he didn't love me or did I say that? Come on. Did they say that or did I say that? Bevy says, assumptions are destructive and no one wins or benefits. Acting on the assumptions, I believe, are the most destructive part of them. Assumptions don't have to be destructive if we allow them to draw us into conversation. So, um, Natalia says, loving these takeaways today, Lord, help me to allow you to take care of my feelings. My assumptions are not facts. My assumptions are not facts. Ms. Gardner says, we talk ourselves out of things because of our thoughts. Come on, we talk ourselves out of things and into things because of thoughts, opinions that are not facts. Audrey says, we wrestle in our minds before we know what's going on. Come on. Whoo-wee. Kalina says, every issue, attitude, or assumption, that's what stands not only between us and that other person, but between us and God. 
And that's hard. But unless we see that, it really does affect our relationship with Jesus. Ms. Garner says, so communication is key. Assumptions are going to happen. I don't want to sit here and tell you you will never assume anything. That's not true. They're going to happen. What will you do with the assumption? Assumptions are, you're going to assume. Our mind does that in order to, 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 to make meaning. But now, okay, I love Bailey's. It's super simple. Did I say that or did they say that? Which part is fact? Which part is assumption? And with the assumption, where do I go and get the information to determine if this is true or not? Because right now it's just a hypothesis. An assumption is nothing more than a hypothesis, but I need to go and determine if this thing is true. Or I might look at the hypothesis and say, that's foolishness and just throw it out because I know it's not true. And this takes practice. We have to understand that that renewing our mind takes practice. So this is not one of those things where you like you come out and you're like, yes, Lord, woo, I trust you to change my mind. No, no, this is going to take practice. This means that I don't know if you're going to journal or something before you before you act on something and just begin to say hey what's the assumption what's the fact here it's going you're going to have to practice you're going to have to put something in place where you're going to slow down and determine okay is this fact or is this assumption and if it's assumption how do i find out whether or not the uh, the assumption is fact it, you're going to have to, it's, it's a skill that you have to learn. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen tomorrow. That's just like saying to a child, child, I need you to know how to perfectly read everybody's facial expressions to determine whether or not they're upset or whatever. That, the skill of reading faces takes time. Right. The skill. And, and, and even then we're not really good at it because it's got a lot of assumptions implied in it. All of this takes time. But the thing is, are we making the time to work on this? Am I making the time to work on it? This will be a really good lesson that we learned through the scriptures, and then we can just put it on a shelf somewhere. But I have a question for you. Type it in the comments if you have a good answer or any answer. How can I actively identify facts and assumptions in my life? Like what is some, some way that I can really practically practice this? How can I practically practice this in my everyday life? Bailey gave us one where she, when, when she comes to an offense, she says, did I say, did they say this or did I say this, right? So that is a practice skill that she is putting in her life. Did they say this or did I say this? 
You might have to put that little phrase um, on your wall. You might have to write that little phrase in your journal. You might have to write that phrase on your phone cover so that you remember, did they say this or did I say this? Latrice says journaling. Come on, journaling. That's really great. Journaling it out. When I have an offense, before I talk to the person, I journal out, okay, this is how, this is what happened. This is how I feel about it. Did they say this? Did I say this? Like, so I can see it out before, like, before I just blurt out, maybe I go into it and I journal about it. Brandy says, repeat back what they said for clarification. So that can be a skill. Okay. When they say something in a conversation, no matter what it is, I'm, I'm going to practice repeating what I heard them say. Right? So these are all skills that I can use to begin to learn how to deal with offenses and separate assumptions from facts. Somebody else said prayer. So perhaps when an offense happens, before I respond, I go and pray. Donita said, journal, split the page, facts versus assumption. In order for this to be effective, this has to be something that I do before I respond. So when I feel offended, I might say, hey, can I get a minute? And I go and I do my journaling activity so that I can come into the conversation sober. Come on, Burkell says, um, uh, ask God to remove the offense and the emotions it brought, then actually talk it out with that person. Okay, all right. Jessica says, pray and wait, though. Come on. Barb says, I put it on paper or I walk away. I default to, I know why or what's going on. I say to myself, I don't know it all. Come on. I don't know it all or told you so. <laughs> I don't know it all, right? Lilith says, talk to God before saying anything and God will lead me in what to do or say. And let me be honest, if you really do this, it'll be weird to people for a while. My husband does this and it's very weird. He does this in prayer too. Like he'll start prayer in super silence. Before he even starts praying, especially when you're like, when you're praying with him, he'll be like super silent. And you're like, opening your eye, like, are we praying still? Like, what's happening? Like, and he'll, he'll, he will process before he speaks. And people might be looking at you like, um, we're having a conversation. We so sometimes you have to say, hey, can I get a minute? I just need to process this. And what is that process? Separating facts from assumptions so that you can go into the conversation sober. Colleen said assumptions, even for someone that deserves the benefit of the doubt, are very toxic. Yeah. Or doesn't deserve someone that doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. 
because they're not true. Acting on assumptions are not true. Think about what would have happened if they would have acted on their assumptions. If they would have acted on their assumptions, a lot of people would have died because they were ready to fight. They were ready to go to war. If they would have acted on their assumptions, then people would have died on both sides because God wouldn't have been involved in that fight because he never told them to go and do it. It was, a, it was a complete assumption. This was a conversation starter, right? It would have been war, would have been slaughter all over the place based on assumptions. I just says, know the history of that person's past behavior. Don't assume or treat every situation the same. What you assume may not be true. Ask the questions, then let the process begin. Bevy says, how often do we lose out on opportunities because we allow our emotions to trick us into believing our assumptions about a situation we are going through warrant our behavior? Although based on our history with the problem, we know within ourselves our behavior is not measuring up. Ms. Garner says it's the long pauses. Come on. And I want you to keep talking to God about this because there might be a wrestle, right? What's the difference between assumption and discernment? There's, I mean, we could go a lot of different places, right? Is this assumption or is this discernment? God, is this me assuming the assuming something false or is this you discern giving me discernment about a certain person so so we have to understand that this conversation is quite rich right but even when it comes to discernment let, let's just say this real quick and we're going to close out even when it comes to discernment god will never have you do something because of discernment that is outside of the way he does things. So I can't say, oh, I'm discerning this person is talking about me behind my back. So God gave me that discernment. So I'm going to go ahead and tell her about herself. I'm going to just. So those two things don't go together. I can't say God has given me the discernment that this person doesn't like me and then therefore go curse her out, right? So even if it is a discernment thing, I still have to seek God on how he wants me to walk that out. God may get, so we have to understand there's discernment, there's assumptions, but neither one of those things gives me license to do something outside of God's actions and godly actions assumptions nor discernment give me the right to act outside of godly actions so we'll talk more about that man this could go on we could go deep but i feel like god is like coming in for our hearts and like coming in for our relationships and saying hey is it fact or is it assumption masquerading itself like facts?
Come on, Donita said, the sermon is so deep and nothing to play with. It is. And half the time we say we discern and then we just assume it. I mean, let's be real. Sorry, I just got to say it. Just put it out there. <laughs> put it out there. Bevy says, what's the difference between discernment and assumption? So godly discernment should come from the Holy Spirit. And an assumption is just my opinions, right? But the problem is, a lot of times we call assumptions discernment. And that's the danger. That's the danger. But either way, right? Either way, neither one of these things gives us the license to do anything outside of how God tells us to behave. Discernment is pretty, it's a pretty deep concept. And, and, it, and it causes you to dabble in a little bit of what we would call like more of that like prophetic area. So discern, <laughs> I'm really slow to say I'm discerning this. Okay. Really, really slow. Um, because you're basically saying God is telling me this when you say that, right? Um, so that's a whole, that's a whole nother, <laughs> but that's basically the difference. Discern, godly discernment is that God is telling you or showing you something about a situation um, that you may not have already readily knew. And assumption is just opinions based on situations. <laughs> yeah, we probably need a video on discern what the Bible actually says about it. That's good. Yep. All right, let's do it. Ah, God is so good, y'all. God is so good. <laughs> Bailey is so funny. God is good. <sighs> let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that it became, these words became more than words on a page that you brought them off the page, allowed us to see it for what it was and brought us to where you wanted us to go, Lord. We pray that as we go on our day, that you would help us, that you would help us to separate assumptions and facts. And Lord God, that you would help us to be able to navigate assumptions and help us to have difficult conversations. Lord, I pray for anybody here that knows that you are putting it on their heart to have difficult conversation. I pray that you would give them strength and that you would give them the words to say, to be able to, to bring some of these things to the ones that they love, the ones that you're leading them to have these conversations with that are difficult. Lord, I pray that in the midst of difficult conversations that you be there. Lord, I pray that both parties' ears be open to hear one another, to truly hear one another. Father God, I pray that you would help us to develop strategies on how we can actively separate facts from assumptions when we're having conversations with people. And when we are dealing with life 
every single day. Lord, I pray that you give us strategies to really use, to slow down our speech. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the way that you're continuing to draw us to you and what you're continuing to teach us about yourself and about us. Lord, we thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. And we ask you to have your way in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 I love you guys. I pray that you have an amazing Thursday. Um, And I will see you guys back here tomorrow, God willing. And we will study the next chapter in Joshua. We only have two chapters left. And then we will be moving into the book of Judges. And I want to say, you guys, we're learning a lot, right? This is not condemnation to be like, I'm a horrible person. Look at all the things I've done wrong. No, no, no. This is to say, thank you, Lord, for helping me to truly see how to follow you, how to walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for showing me the behaviors that I'm doing that are harmful and detrimental to myself and others. Thank you, Lord. So I pray that nobody leaves this conversation feeling like a horrible person. Look, we all assume. We all do it. I do it. Okay? I just want to make sure I say that so that you walk away breathing and 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 understanding how good God is to be willing to to use this moment to teach us about this. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to see ourselves soberly. Latrice is for letting us recognize our need for a savior. Come on, we're never not gonna need God. We're not going to learn all the lessons and then be like, whoop, I passed the course. I no longer need the professor. Mm -mm. It's not how it works in the kingdom. It's not how it works in the kingdom. We're constantly growing and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Gardner reminds us today to like the video, comment with your big takeaways and share it. Um, If you feel so led, it does help with the algorithm. So some of us YouTubers on here, we know that when people do these things, it actually tells the algorithm that, hey, um, people like this. So send it out to more people. So yes, please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Um, And then lastly, if this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to donate, please consider donating today. Thank you for those that gave um, super chats or super things today. That's really cool. And I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Um, And also check out the app. We are doing something called Climb Out of the Darkness, where we are raising funds to be able to um, pay for grants and things for women to be able to get uh, mental health services that they need. And um, also to put together a list of Christian therapists that are willing to do um, therapy sessions for like between $30 to $60, so low cost things. So if that's something that you want to be involved with, please join the team for the Climb Out of the Darkness and help us to raise the funds to be able to do that. I think I said all the announcements. I probably didn't, but whatever announcements that I missed, they will be in the Faith Mamas Tribe app. 
Um, so please make sure that you uh, please make sure that you check out the Faith Mama's Tribe app after this. <sighs> I love you guys. I love you guys. Oh, thank y'all. This super sticker thing is so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. Praise God. All right, y'all. I love you guys. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Um, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Somebody said praying for Anastasia. I'm going to go through this and see what we're praying about. Um, and I'll be in prayer too. All right. Anyway, I love you guys. I pray that you have an amazing Thursday and I'll see you guys back here tomorrow on Friday as we um, read Joshua chapter 23. Lord willing, we'll be here tomorrow and I'm excited to see you guys. These super stickers are so cool. Y'all, y'all have no idea. I'm just like, this is so neat. Ah, I love y'all. All right. Bye for now.